0: What's up everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 135 of the VK Bros. With the VK Bros, Jason and Alex Von Cannell coming at you on a beautiful Saturday night. How are you this evening, Alex?
1: Uh, Good. I said I was ready, but I flat out lied because I'm...
0: Well, if you're not ready, I might lead off with something that you won't be interested in at all. So, uh, all I wanted to say is uh, footy's back. The NRL season has officially kicked off uh, this week. And... The most important thing of all is my Brisbane Broncos knocked off the two time reigning premiers, the Penrith Panthers, at home at Panthers Bluebet Stadium, where we haven't won since 2009. So we have started the year by knocking off the reigning premiers who've won two premierships in a row, and everyone's tipping to go for the three peak this year. So, Broncos 2023 premiers confirmed. Uh, you can actually jump on sports bet, and you can get them at thirteen dollars to win the win the premiership, which I think is actually uh, far too short odds compared to uh, I think they finished tenth or something last year, so that's way too short. But you may as well may as well do it, back them in because we looked really really good. I was very very impressed with the team last night.
1: Stoked is knocking off the right word when it's the first
0: game. Mm. There, like no one, well, I'm sure plenty of people tipped Brisbane to win but no one really believed that they were going to win like Mm. the Panthers I think in the last three years they have played 27 games at home and won 25 Uh, they've won the last two premierships in a row I think last year they only lost maybe two games for the season like they're just a Crazy machine of a team. They've lost a couple of key key pieces this year, though, and I think that really has affected them because I actually lost the World Club Challenge game to St Helens from England too. So, do you know what the World Club Challenge is?
1: No, no, don't no, care.
0: Okay, <laughs> just <laughs> just in case. I,
1: so, you think they're going to? Do you genuinely think they're going to be Premiership winners?
0: The Broncos? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm okay, just I'm just having a laugh.
1: Where no? Where do you put them? Because I'm happy to make a bet.
0: So I think. If, if I'm being completely uh, unbiased, my, my favourite to win the Premiership the, this year actually the Roosters. I think they've recruited really well. They've got a very solid team. Their coaching staff is great. I do think the Panthers are on a bit of a downswing. You can only stay up for so long in the NRL. They've lost a, a couple of key players, like I was saying before, so they've lost their hooker, Apikorosau, who I think he makes Nathan Cleary look a lot better than Cleary actually is because he gives him so much extra space to work. And you're already seeing the issue. Like, Cleary did nothing last night because he had two fairly inexperienced hookers feeding him the ball. So, I think you it's You know we've be... had
1: complaints about NRL talk on the show, haven't you? Like, you remember that?
0: Yeah, and those people can shut the fuck up and stop watching <laughs> it. I don't care. <laughs> no, so, where do you
1: think the Broncos are going to finish?
0: I think they'll finish probably sixth place. Top six. Which is good enough to get into the finals.
1: So what? What's if I don't think they'll make the top eight? What's that worth?
0: Well, what's it worth to you?
1: Five thousand stats.
0: All right, five thousand stats. You're on. Broncos will make the top eight this year.
1: Right. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, put in the comments what everyone thinks. Yeah. Uh, now on my sport front, I'm I'm wrapping the uh, McLaren shirt because Formula One season starts this weekend, so mm-hmm. qualifying will be tonight. And Oscar Piastri, the young Australian, has joined Lando Norris in McLaren.
0: Very so good. To be Australian flying the flag name. from
1: Australia, because Daniel Ricciardo is a reserve driver for Red Bull now, so he won't be on the grid. Mm-hmm. But good luck to uh, to Oscar, and um, we'll see how he goes.
0: Nice, nice. I don't That's
1: think it. I don't think the car is going to be any good, but anyway.
0: So who's, let's let's kick who's on the with the of
1: stuff. Red Bull again. Reginald's okay. car's been really, really fast in long, long runs. And a little bit of a potentially a potential dark horse is Aston Martin. Fernando Alonso moved to Aston Martin. Yep. Uh, he's getting paid mega money over there. He's been given like a leadership role to try and lift the team. Mm-hmm. And I think he was the fastest in practice. So we'll see. Practice times don't mean anything. Everyone's sandbagging, but yeah. Yep. We'll see.
0: Yeah, sweet. Um, yeah, let's get straight into it this week. Because like Alex said, we've got some pretty juicy stuff. Funnily enough, last week we finished up by joking, saying, oh, I'm sure we'll talk about COVID next week. And then literally everything COVID-related has happened this week for us to talk about. Uh, and it's kind of a whole bunch of things all linked together. So let's start off with the juiciest of the stories, which is the leaking of WhatsApp messages by the for its former UK um, health minister. Health
1: minister, yeah.
0: Matt Matthew Hancock or Matt Hancock. Now, uh, if any of if any of you remember who Matt Hancock is, so he was essentially the guy who was pushing things like the lockdowns, the vaccine mandates, pushing the mass testing, all that sort of stuff. So he was the Fauci of the UK, put it that way. Uh, now, <laughs> do, I'm going to start with the way that these text messages got linked uh, leaked in the first place, because you know that part of the story, right? No. So. He gave all of these text messages willing, willingly to a journalist to help him write his book on the pandemic.
1: Oh, idiot.
0: And she's what obviously an read them and gone, this guy's a piece of shit, and just gave them to the media, even though she signed a non-disclosure agreement.
1: Yeah, so the guy's an absolute turd. Yeah. He, he got done in 2020 or 2021. Uh, caught on film having an affair with his uh, one of his secretaries he is married and it was this is during lockdowns yeah, no, no everyone's supposed to be social distancing and he was chopping up his uh his... yeah
0: and the most important part of that was like he was the one who would... I think he literally appeared on TV that day saying how it was too dangerous to go out and meet with people even if it's in small groups and blah 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 and then yeah next thing you know he gets caught on security camera uh necking on with his uh one of his assistants so obviously there there was uh... there was a
1: bunch there was a bunch of text messages but this is the this is the one that really got me Mm -hmm. uh was was this little stash now he's talking to george osborne who's the editor of the evening standard who's the obviously they've got a deal in the media Mm -hmm. and for audio listeners uh jess i'll get you to read it out
0: yeah. So th- so it starts with Matt Hancock. He says, I need to call in a favor tomorrow. I currently have 22,000 spare slots tomorrow at my drive throughs uh, Hence, I've extended eligibility today. Demand just isn't there. This is obviously good news about spread of the virus, but hard for my target. So I really could do with a testing splash. Can we make this happen? And then George Osborne replies saying, yes, of course. All you need to do tomorrow is give some exclusive words to the standard and I'll tell the team to splash it. You're almost there. Send the words to me by 8 a.m. tomorrow. And so notice
1: when, the time. It's tw- it's almost midnight. Yeah,
0: 11.17 ele- yeah, p.m. is when he's sending these messages. And obviously his 22,000 spare slots are for his testing centers. So uh, then it goes on. So Matt Hancock sends him... Uh, is this oh, so this is, sorry, this is the 9th of November. So this is way further uh, along in the year. He sends him through a copy of a Twitter thread saying, what is this for? And George Osborne says, trying to spread the responsibility from you to number 10. That's number 10 Downing Street. So in other words, the the prime minister. Uh, I've said it before. Matt Hancock replies saying, okay, but mass testing is going very well. I fear this looks like you asked for me to be overruled. George Osborne replies, no one thinks testing is going well, Matt if I wanted a test today, I can't get one unless I fake symptoms and redacted is still waiting uh, test results from three weeks ago in brackets, we went private in the end. So what this is indicating, now, I don't know if, if you remember this, Alex, but do you remember right at the beginning of the pandemic when they established a thing called the Trusted News Initiative? Do you remember that? I remember the name so the trusted news initiative that was basically put together i'm pretty sure that a big hand in it was the bill and melinda gates foundation but essentially yeah of course essentially what they did was they got together all the big media companies and all of the social media companies as well and signed them onto this thing called the trusted news initiative and the whole point of it was to make sure that they were dispersing real information and no misinformation during the pandemic this is where the censorship uh, regime began via the Trusted News Initiative. That's where all the fact-checkers came in and all that sort of stuff. So, obviously, within that, that means you've already got government colluding with the media via this Trusted News Initiative. Uh, initiative. Now we're starting to see the back end of it through these text mm. messages. So, what we've just read through is literally the health minister texting a an editor of a big uh, newspaper saying, hey, I need you to put some propaganda in the paper for me to scare people into going to get testing p- tested, please, because I've got a target that I'm trying to hit. Now, Alex and I have been in the sales industry for a long time. We know what happens when we hit target. We get paid more money.
1: But the thing that hits me the most is that we said this very early on. It's like we know a sales plot when we see one. We said it from the beginning, like this is the fact that, and this doubly reinforces the idea that we had at the beginning, which was this had nothing to do with health or stopping the virus. Mm -hmm. All it was was meeting metrics of vaccination and testing. Anything that was going to make money, that was what the push was. And this proves it.
0: Um, There's also more proof too. I don't know if you're going to be able to find this quickly, but there's actually a text chain that had Boris Johnson in it. And they were discussing what the early um, case uh, fatality ratio was sort Ah, of looking like, right? And I think this was off the top of my head around March 2020. So very, very early on uh, in the pandemic. If you can find this and maybe pull it up. Now, I what, can't
1: find it. No, it's not popping up.
0: Okay. Just, I'll, you search a little bit longer and I'm just going to quickly outline something as well. So, like we're saying, we had this this whole thing, the Trusted news, uh, news Initiative. That was a propaganda arm which was designed to have the governments and uh, big tech plus all of, all of the news stations collude to make sure they're spreading the exact same message and the message from right early on was this virus is the deadliest thing ever it spreads like wildfire if anyone gets it it's a death sentence and then it was all going towards um the vaccines like everything was designed to make you so scared of the virus that you would just run out and and take these vaccines now i was thinking about this a little bit more during the week too when all this stuff was coming out And one of the other things that you need to remember too was that the vaccines, like waiting for the vaccines was also the justification for lockdowns originally, right? Yeah. Because the idea was, well, we need to stop this, like slow the spread, flatten the curve, right? Remember that term? We need to slow the spread until we can get these vaccines out, get everyone vaccinated, and then we'll be all good. So even having these vaccines coming was the justification for locking people down in the first place. And we've spoken about in recent weeks things like how the justification for lockdown came from one scientist that Fauci sent to China who had a chat to them. And they're like, yeah, we're doing this lockdown thing. We've got it all covered. And that was good enough for Fauci, even though there was already uh, randomized controlled trials in the past on lockdowns that have shown that they have zero effect on the spread of a respiratory virus. Have you been able, been able to find that? No, I can't
1: okay. find it. it. It actually looks completely different. to. Yeah.
0: I... So from, from off the top of my head, what I can tell you is that Matt Hancock, uh, so in that conversation, Matt Hancock, uh, Boris Johnson, who was the prime minister of England at the time, and a few other um, senior p- political figures were in that too. But the most interesting part was right at the top where Matt Hancock basically had said that he had sent out some numbers, some early numbers on like case fatality rates. And Boris Johnson actually replies to it, going, "Matt, if I read this correctly, this means if you're if you're 85 years old and you get this virus, you only have a six percent chance of dying. And also, if you're under 35, your um, you, the the level of danger it is to you is is almost like it's neg- negligible. It's not going to do anything. So he was literally questioning the the danger of the virus. The, right the beginning, Yeah, yeah." And and this is back in March 2020. Like this is back. This is the first strain, which I I've had a bit of a, a think about uh, the whole you know original Wuhan strain, and then you had Delta, and then you've had Omicron, and I'm not convinced anymore that the original strain was any more deadly than what Omicron is, because if if you think about everything we've spoken about over the last couple of weeks, with things like the treatments that they put people on. So like in Australia, for example, we had the, the whole remdesivir scandal. So the problem was if you got really, really sick, they'd bring you to a hospital, they'd put you in, a, in an induced coma, hook you up to a ventilator, give you remdesivir, which was a drug, which had the side effect of reducing your kidney function. They obviously have hooked you up to an IV bag at the same time. Your body fills up with water because your kidneys can't get rid of the water. And the ventilator was pushing that water into your lungs and these people were drowning. When they stopped doing that, people stopped dying. Over in the UK, there was the recent study that we spoke about the other week, or not study, but a review of uh, the uh, Office of Health and Safety in the UK changed their guidance on how to treat respiratory patients to include drugs that they knew would suppress people's respiratory function, which was midazolam and there was another one. Anyway, so if you, look, if you go back and look at the stats, there was a massive spike of the prescription of midazolam and this other drug, which coincides with the massive spike of the initial COVID deaths. And then as soon as they stopped treating people that way, the deaths started coming down. So I'm not so convinced that the original Wuhan strain was any more deadly than what Omicron is. I just think that they've changed their, uh, their treatments to stop killing people.
1: Now, playing devil's advocate, he, they they didn't know what to do, so it could be argued that uh, it was purely made in mistake. They thought that they were doing the right thing, but at the same time, I do know a lot of doctors who are on YouTube, for not for not for very long, yeah, were mentioning, were making noises like that, yeah, saying like, how come we can't use you know this off the shelf stuff that doesn't really do any damage. Like, mm-hmm. why aren't we allowed to use those and the things that we are being told to use are very extreme
0: yeah the scary thing about the whole midazolam thing is and John Campbell I'll, I'll try to find um, the, the video that he dove into it on and I'll put a link in the show notes but uh, in the actual guideline, uh, guidance that they sent out at the time for doctors to start prescribing this it literally says in that that even though uh, these drugs are known to suppress people's respiratory function don't hesitate to use them for COVID hmm. patients so right. like so when you're trying to play devil's advocate by saying they didn't know well they know these drugs uh, lower people's respiratory function they knew that and you're dealing with respiratory for a respiratory respiratory
1: illness yeah right? look I I'm with you I think I think we were at every stage of this debacle we tend like a, we peel another layer back yeah and there's just more craziness underneath and yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Yo. They they talk about how um, how virulent that that was the Omicron. Uh, sorry, not Omicron, the, um, uh, the Wuhan original. variant. Yep, and then and then Delta. But yeah, I guess like sure that the data will will support that if you're killing everyone.
0: That's that right. And and again, if like if you if you put your conspiratorial hat on. If they were trying to... And look, Matt Hancock is clearly trying to drum up fear using his contact at the paper to get people to go and do testing, okay? Now, this was early on in the pandemic before the vaccines were, were even released. They weren't even available. But obviously, Matt Hancock had some sort of carrot that he was getting for getting a certain number of people to get tested. Now, in Australia, I know, like, you remember it, testing clinics popped up everywhere because they're making a fortune on these tests. Right, like they were even having like drive-through testing clinics and all that sort of stuff because Medicare was footing the bill and every test. I can't remember the 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 number it was. I know that early on with the first vaccinations, doctors were getting paid a hundred dollars a shot that they were giving out. I think the tests were something similar, like a hundred bucks. It
1: started less. It was only like thirty-five dollars, and then they whinged and said this, this it's not enough, and they yeah, upped that's it to hundred dollars.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then all that's when all the other testing centers started opening up because it was so they, the, lucrative.
1: The testing facilities in Brisbane were off the charts. I spoke to people that were in the line for nine hours. And remember, we were joking about it saying, okay, so you've got this disease that is so deadly. Let's put everyone who thinks they've got issues, let's put them all in the same place. That's let's right. Let's stick them in a line all yeah. day.
0: Yeah. And remember, they were talking about like asymptomatic um, transmission back then too, which mm. again is something that in the history of respiratory viruses has never been a thing. Like there's never been asymptomatic transmission, but they they pretended that there was with COVID. So in other words, you were sending people who had no symptoms who might have gotten a text message saying that you visited an exposure site last Tuesday, go and get tested. And you might have a hundred people in a line with one person who's got the virus, and they all they all get it. Yeah, they
1: right? all have it. Yeah, Yay. and
0: and this is the thing that is so is so crazy about this. Like what we're going to get into today is a whole bunch of things that are reversed and and evidence for the reversal of these, uh, these functions. But one of the things that when you really go back and you look and you analyze the pandemic and the pandemic response more specifically, if you did the opposite of what the government and the health authorities told you to do, you would have a better outcome from this yeah, pandemic. Absolutely. So, so think about it. Lockdowns, stay in your home. We've now come to know how important the role of vitamin D is when it comes to not only fighting off COVID, but even not getting it in the first place. So if you lock yourself inside and don't get sunlight, you're not going to create enough vitamin D, which is why you're going to have a worse outcome from COVID. Now, they
1: they knew that. They knew that. Remember, the first lockdown they did was the that poor like housing commission building in Melbourne? Yeah, and yep. people were saying it then. They're saying all oh, we're all getting sick in here. We need to be able to get outside. And mm-hmm. remember, like they they'd set up uh, police down the bottom to make sure yep. no one could get out. And people were trying to break out. Like yep. th- th- that was spoken about. And then it was like, no, no, no. That's like they're wrong. They're grubs. Don't listen to them. Yeah, that's
0: listen right. They're poor lockdown. people. They're they're disgusting poor people. Don't listen to them. But like yeah. when and when you think back to even just normal normal flu season, right? Normal respiratory virus season in any country is winter and why is that it's because people aren't outside in sunlight Mm. getting vitamin d and they're all crammed in indoors and you know during during the pandemic they've said it now there is like no documented examples of outdoor transmission of the virus but they forced everyone inside yeah so if you did the opposite of that you would have had a better outcome um even things like, you know, remember the, the lockdowns, you had like one hour a day, you could go outside for exercise. Mm. Like they discouraged people from exercising. Uh, the the foods that were available, like down the road from me, where, where the coals is, there's um, a fresh fruit and veggie store. They weren't allowed to open. Yeah. but the Coles next door was able to the BWS yeah, outside was able too. to the Red Rooster that's next door was able to like all yeah. the fast food joints were able to open but the fresh fruit and vegetables were not so if you if you again if you didn't do that if you did the opposite we would have had better outcomes what we're starting to see from the vaccines now the more vaccines you get mm-hmm. the more likely you are to get COVID now because mm-hmm. of that um, change in your um, the immune uh, immunoglo- the IgG4 cells so again, if you if you got less vaccines, you are less likely to get COVID. Now, I've had COVID. I had it early on in the well, not early on, but I had it in early twenty twenty one. I think it was. I can't even remember now. I have not had it since. I've been going out and about and getting amongst it and going to shopping centres and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I've, I've only not, had it
1: once.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: the only people I know that have had it multiple times are all vaccinated.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, now and natural immunity they they tried to tell you that natural immunity didn't exist in covid
1: well they still do it now it's so funny because a lot of the there's like tests that have come out now like peer-reviewed studies that come and say that the immunity you get from natural immunity is way more robust and doesn't give the uh what's it called where uh, the virus can can escape uh, uh, or, or get around your immunity like what the vaccinated one can mm. but and it's beautiful because you can predict it they'll say yeah but if you died from it if you died yeah. from covid then then it doesn't matter how much immunity you've got from yeah it. and and that's, that's one why of you have things to get
0: so what you're referring to is um if you actually get the virus you get immunity cells in your mucosal um system like in your nose and stuff like that if you get vaccinated you don't and that's one of the things that I heard John Campbell talk about the other day. They knew early on that the vaccines were not giving you that mucosal immunity, which also means they would have known right from the beginning that it was never going to stop transmission. Because unless you've got immune cells in here, which attack the virus in your um, mucosal system, you are going to be sneezing those virus particles out onto other people. So they knew right off the bat you, that it was never going to stop transmission. There was um, virologists and epidemiologists who were coming out early on, guys like Gert van den Bosch, screaming till they're blue in the face that they have never successfully created a uh, vaccine for respiratory viruses, which stops transmission ever in history. But they were like, no, 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 this is this new thing, mRNA, it's the bee's needs, it's all good. So let's, let's not uh, pontificate on this too much longer because we've got some actual studies now that we've, uh, that have come out this week which is showing the how far wrong they got it on certain things. So I just want to start with this first, just as a brief um, preamble to it, because I came across this during the week. Now, this is old. This is from um, the 18th of July back in 2013. It is a study uh, which was by a guy called Dr. Vinay Prasad. I follow him on YouTube. He's a great follow. Mm. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of other authors as well. But this is called A Decade of Reversal, An Analysis of 146 Contradicted Medical Practices. So if you just scroll down to the abstract. So the objective of this study was to identify medical practices that offer no net benefits. Okay? Methods. We reviewed all original articles published in 10 years between 2001 and 2010 in one high-impact journal. Articles were classified on the basis of whether they addressed a medical practice, whether they tested a new or existing therapy, and whether results were positive or negative. Articles were then classified as one of four types. Replacement, when a new practice surpasses standard of care. Back to the drawing board, when a new practice is no better than current practice. Reaffirmation, when an existing practice is found to be better than a lesser standard and reversal when an existing practice is found to be no better than a lesser therapy. This study was conducted from August 1, 2011 through until um, October 31, 2012. Results. We reviewed 2,044 original articles, 1,344 of which concerned a medical practice. Of these, 981 articles or 73% examined a new medical practice whereas 363 or 27% tested an established practice. A total of 947 studies, or just over 70%, had positive findings, whereas 397 or 30% reached a negative conclusion. A total of 756 articles addressing a medical practice constituted replacement, 165 were back to the drawing board, 146 were medical reversals, 138 were reaffirmations, and 139 were inconclusive. Of the 363 articles testing standard of care, 146, or 40.2%, reversed that practice, whereas 138, or 38%, reaffirmed it. Conclusion. The reversal of established medical practice is common and occurs across all classes of medical practice. This investigation sheds light on low-value practices and patterns of medical research. So why is that interesting? That just goes to show you that... So medical reversal is what we're looking at out of that study. We're looking about... The amount of times that the uh, scientific community has come out saying, hey, this, we've done a new study. It says that we should do this to treat this thing. We're going to get these great results. And then however long after that, might be a year, might be 10 years after that, those practices then get walked back and, and completely reversed. This is what we're seeing with the pandemic. And we've seen it about every aspect of the pandemic. So can we start off with the masking? Yeah. So one of the other things that has come out this week is a thing called the Cochrane review, and the Cochrane review, if Alex can bring it up now. Here we go. Uh, bum, bum, bum. Is is that the one?
1: Yeah, Physical okay. measures
0: hand. Yeah. here we go. So the Cochrane review. Do physical measures such as hand washing or wearing masks stop or slow down the spread of respiratory viruses? Key messages. We are uncertain whether wearing masks or N95 or P2 respirators helps to slow the spread of respiratory viruses based on the studies we assessed. Hand hygiene programs may help to slow the spread of respiratory viruses. So scroll down. It goes through how viruses spread, etc, etc. We sort of know about all that stuff. Uh, what do we want to find out? We wanted to find out whether physical measures stop or slow the spread of respiratory viruses from well controlled studies in which one intervention is compared to another, known as randomized controlled trials. What did we do? We searched for randomized controlled studies that looked at physical measures to stop people acquiring a respiratory virus infection. We were interested in how many people in the studies caught a respiratory virus infection and whether the physical measures had any unwanted effects. What did we find? We identified 78 relevant studies. They took place in low, middle, and high-income countries worldwide, in hospitals, schools, homes, offices, childcare centres, and communities during non-epidemic influenza periods, the global H1N1 influenza pandemic in 2009, epidemic influenza seasons up to 2016, and during the COVID-19 pandemic. We identified five ongoing unpublished studies. Two of them evaluate masks in COVID-19. Five trials were funded by government and pharmaceutical companies, and nine trials were funded by pharmaceutical companies. No studies looked at face shields, gowns and gloves, or screening people when they entered a country. We assessed the effects of medical or surgical masks, N95s, hand hygiene, uh, and we obtained the following results. Medical or surgical masks. Ten studies took place in the community, and two studies in healthcare workers compared with wearing no mask in the... Oh, Sorry. Oh, healthcare workers compared with wearing no mask in the community studies only wearing a mask may make little to no difference in how many people caught a flu-like illness slash COVID-like illness in brackets nine studies including uh, almost 280,000 people and probably makes little or no difference in how many people have flu or COVID confirmed by a laboratory test which is based on six studies of about 14,000 people unwanted effects were rarely reported discomfort was mentioned so in, in, ab, in abstract, from what they have seen in their studies, wearing those surgical masks that they made law, there's shows to have no effect.
1: Do you remember the first Queensland lockdown where they mandated masks and you had to even wear them in the car if you are by yourself?
0: Yeah, yeah. And if you want to, like, again, if you actually listen to real scientists during the pandemic... So this goes back to what we we're just talking about, with the vaccines and how you need to have um, the immune cells in your mucosal uh, system. One of the reasons why masks don't stop you getting infected is because with respiratory viruses that infect you through your mucosal system, you get mucus in your eyes so that you can get infected through your eyes. So just having your, your nose and your mouth covered, number one, doesn't stop you from getting infected. But also, everyone's seen all those videos online of people like vaping with a mask on, and then they breathe out, and it all just comes out the sides and over the top and everything like that. So it was never going my to favorite,
1: stop. My favourite one was the guy in the pokey room with rubber gloves on and a mask smoking darts outside of it.
0: Yeah. I One of my favourites was the like high school band where they were all wearing the masks on, but the the woodwind section had a hole, a slit cut in the middle of the mask so they could still get the instrument in and blow it? Yeah. Okay, moving on. So N95s and P2 respirators. Four studies were in healthcare workers and one small study was in the community. Compared with wearing medical or surgical masks, wearing an N95 or P2... Oh, sorry. Scroll up. Uh, here we go. Uh, Yeah, wearing an N95 or P2 respirator probably makes little to no difference in how many people have confirmed flu. Five studies of 8,500 people. And may make little to no difference in how many people catch a flu-like illness. Five studies of 8,500 people. Or respiratory illness. Three studies for uh, 8,800 people. Unwanted effects were not well reported. Discomfort was mentioned. So again, N95s, no real difference. And... That's the same reason, because the N ninety five still only covers your nose and your mouth. It doesn't cover your eyes. Uh, go back up again.
1: There's next thing's about hand washing.
0: Oh, okay, yep, don't worry about that. Okay, what like just sorry, up a bit a little bit longer. There. So what are the limitations of the evidence? Our confidence in these results is generally low to moderate for the subjective outcomes related to respiratory illness, but moderate for the more precisely defined laboratory-confirmed respiratory virus infection related to masks and N95 or P2 respirators. The results might change when further evidence becomes available. Relatively low numbers of people follow the guidance about wearing masks or about hand hygiene, which may have affected the results of the studies. (coughs) Yeah, so, but, but that's... That's just reality though. So what they're saying is they're like, look, from when we've looked at the studies, the stu- from what we've seen, we see no positive impact to these measures. But uh, perhaps there were some confounding factors which cannot be accounted for in these studies. Well, guess what? When you are trying to do public health uh, guidelines for an entire population, you're always going to get those confounding factors because some people are going to follow it to a T, but the majority are not we already saw that in the pandemic especially with masks those surgical masks were supposed to be single use yeah. how many people do you know used the mask once um, <laughs> fitted it perfectly to their face didn't touch it didn't have any sort of facial hair or beard um, that would you know obviously potentially allow air to get into it like no one so it was never going to do anything and the worst thing about all of this is that these studies existed before the pandemic Real scientists knew that masks do nothing to stop respiratory viruses before the pandemic. But again, they, like, we were all told, hashtag follow the science. They didn't follow the science. They just made Uh, up the the science as they went to justify what they're trying to do.
1: I I remember going to Aldi and whipping my fabric mask out of my pocket and then going to put it on my face and dropping it on the ground and then standing on it and sliding on it by accident <laughs> and still having to put it on my face because that's what health is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just so uh,
1: someone else some someone else teed off about uh, masks, which I think we should show, our mm-hmm. good friend, Johnny Campbell.
0: Yep.
2: Well, a warm welcome to today's talk. And it turns out that these masks we wore for such a long time are actually completely useless as indeed are these uh, paper ones that we also wore for a long time. So they don't seem to do anything at all, according to the uh, the data. And as well as that, they make your glasses steam up. Now, welcome. It's Thursday, the 2nd of March, um, 2023 today. Now, I want to apologise for advocating for the use of masks for... Um, pretty well all of uh, the end of 2020 and pretty well all of 2021. We changed our position on this channel on the uh, 19th of February 2022.
1: I think that's basically where we need to, to yeah. leave it. We he he was the one that highlighted the Cochrane review, which we looked at. Yep. But I wanted to put in his apology because yeah. nobody's doing that. No one's. No doing one that. is saying we're mismatched. Uh, where um, we've been misled. No mm-hmm. one's saying it. And what I find really interesting is a lot of the stuff still permeates in the community. So, Pete, I've had conversations with people this week, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, but like masks, you still, you know, masks. They help. There's still people wearing masks now. Yeah, but they don't know this that it does nothing.
0: That's right. It's they've created mental illness, and it's so ironic that. The terminology they used the entire time was all about trusting the science. And if you trusted the science, you were a good person. And if you didn't trust the science, you were a bad person. You're a mm-hmm. white right-wing conspiracy theorist Nazi. But all of this science was available and basically settled on before the pandemic kicked off. And then they threw it all out the window. So they yeah. knew beforehand that respiratory viruses didn't work. Uh, sorry, that masks didn't work for respiratory viruses. They knew that. Yeah. They knew that vaccines would not stimulate, uh, immune, uh, sorry. They would not stimulate the immunity in your mucosal system and therefore would not stop transmission. But they told you that it would anyway. They knew that. They knew that every time they've tried mRNA vaccines before in the, in the past, they never made it past animal trials because the animals died. They knew that. Yeah. Right, They knew that lockdowns don't work, but they did them anyway. They knew that. And even going to the other things, they knew that uh, locking down your economy uh, and handing out money to people would cause inflation. But they did it anyway. They knew that. So, the problem is now, like, you've got so many people out there who... Now the world is upside down and they're so confused because the actual, like, science is supposed to be pretty black and white, but it's not anymore. Because so many people have, they've spent three years being convinced of things that are just blatantly false. Things like when they said that natural immunity wouldn't work, but vaccine immunity would. Like, the vaccine leverages your immune system. So it just trains yeah. your immune system to give... So when your immune system encounters the virus, it's not the vaccine that fights the virus. It's your, it's your immune system.
1: Like, or in, the, or in the, this vaccine's case, none of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but that's the thing. Like, they literally lied to you to get you to take these vaccines by trying to claim that your immune system wasn't going to be able to figure out how to defend itself from the virus itself and could only figure it out if your immune system trains it.
1: It was about shifting units, which yep. is exactly what fell into the Matt Hancock thing, trying to shift units of yep. of uh, tests, trying to shift units of, of vaccines, mm-hmm. it, it control measures. It, it was absolutely is- a sales tactic.
0: Yes, and what is so especially troubling is that in our country of Australia, our leaders at the time, which was a Scott Morrison government, but all of the premiers, they created an unconstitutional national cabinet, which is exempt from Freedom of Information Act requests, literally, so they could have these same conversations that Matt Hancock was having with his his journalist buddy,
1: Yeah.
0: so they could create policy designed around fear, like think back, right and I, again, I would have to do some digging, but I'm sure I could find perfect examples. There would be a national cabinet meeting, so the scomo and all the premiers would get together and then ironically the states that were like behind on their vaccinations, all of a sudden there would be some sort of an announcement of oh there's a lockdown coming or oh um, we've had a cluster of all these um, all these cases. everyone's got to get out and get vaccinated. Um, there was weekends where they had like oh we're doing a special vaccination weekend and they were setting up um, you know vaccine stalls at like footy games and stuff the fucking Mm. Palaszczuk government tried to hand out state of origin tickets like if you got vaccinated you could go in the draw and the only reason why it didn't happen is because the NRL was like fuck off that's illegal like we're not allowed to do that but they still tried to make him do it anyway Like the entire thing was a, it was a fucking sales meeting where the sales manager, ScoMo was sitting there going, how are we going to scare these motherfuckers into taking these products that they're paying for with their taxpayer dollars so we can all get paid. Like even remember the fact that at the beginning of the pandemic, oh sorry, at the beginning of the vaccine rollout, they told everyone that you would take two vaccines and you'd be sweet but we've got 26 million people in Australia and our first order of vaccines was for 225 million of them. So they ordered 10. And that wasn't the only order. That's right. They ordered 10 for every person, every man, woman, and child. Yeah. And remember at the beginning, younger people weren't even supposed to get them. They were only going to give it to the older people because, hey, that might've made sense because the older people were the ones who were most at risk from COVID. Yeah. And they obviously knew that at the beginning. But no, then it just became about shifting units and shifting units and shifting units. Remember in, like, in Queensland, because it's close to home, uh, Palaszczuk, when she got up in in, uh, Parliament, was like, oh, won't somebody think of the children? Oh, all the children are going to get COVID. Like, we can't have that. And that's when they brought in the the mandate for all the teachers over the school holidays, because they are like, oh, we can't have anyone unvaccinated go back and give the virus to the kids even though the data already showed that the vaccine didn't stop transmission at that time. Like, it was all scare tactics and bullshit designed to scare you into taking an unproven medicine because they are obviously getting paid bags in the background. And that's why we aren't able to see the original Pfizer contracts with the government, because I'm sure it's got their fucking compensation structures in in that contract.
1: I am beginning to think, though, that this is all going to come out, and it's going to come out faster than I thought. Because generally, yeah. I think that this stuff is coming to light much quicker. I was expecting, mm. I, I said five years, just like what uh, the Iraq war was. Yeah. But this stuff now, like we're seeing all of this. And as I've said previously in, in previous shows, one media company, and I think it's news.com at the moment, that one company has to decide, hey, we're going to go, like this is the story now. Just yeah. think about what you can milk for, for how long, yep. And once that happens, they'll all have to get on board. And well, I, it's, I think it's coming much quicker than what, what I was anticipating,
0: yeah. Like speaking of news.com, so a mate of mine sent me this article uh, on the 28th of February 10 uh, myths told by covert experts now debunked. So, this is yeah. a news.com article, uh, and so it goes blah 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 blah. Uh, so, misinforma- so now they're referring to misinformation from the health experts, right? Misinformation number one, natural immunity offers little protection compared to vaccinated, vaccinated immunity. And it goes through all the studies and the reasons why they know that's wrong now. Misinformation number two, masks prevent COVID transmission, just as we spoke about. Misinformation number three, school closures reduce COVID transmission because no. we know they didn't. Misinformation number four, myocarditis from the vaccine is less common than from the infection. So they were even talking about that. Misinformation number five, young people benefit from a vaccine booster. Misinformation number six, vaccine mandates increased vaccination rates. Uh, Misinformation number seven, COVID originating from the Wuhan lab is a conspiracy theory, which that'll bring us on to our next topic. Uh, Misinformation number, number eight, it was important to get the second vaccine dose three or four weeks after the first dose misinformation number nine data on the bivalent vaccine is in quotation marks crystal clear and misinformation number 10 one in five people get long COVID
1: to be fair it's crystal clearly not there
0: yeah exactly yeah. so hey, so you're next, right
1: let's move on
0: I was just let's gonna say you are, you are right the The mainstream is starting to move just as we said it would but I do agree with you I think this stuff's come, starting to come out a lot faster than, than we sort of expected and Again, if I put my con- my tinfoil hat on, the conspiracy theory hat, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the reasons why it's all getting pushed out now is because number one, it kind of doesn't matter. The damage is already done. Yep. And number two sales have
1: been made.
0: Yep. It appeases all the red pillars who've been wanting this information and it gives us something to focus on and all, and we, we start to get all the wins out of it. While meanwhile, the most corrupt thing that's going on right now is the Ukraine war, and it takes all of the, the attention away from everything that's happening over in Ukraine. Yeah. Okay, so moving on. Now, we, Alex specifically took this version of the article because it's from CNN. Now, CNN is a very far left-leaning uh, news station from America, and obviously they have, they have been well and truly pushing the COVID narrative the entire time. So this is their article, COVID, lab leak theory, what we've learned. Uh, Scrolling down, here we go. An updated intelligence assessment about the origins of the COVID-19 virus has reopened the long simmering and unsolved debate about how the virus came to be and will fuel a new committee House Republicans have created to investigate the issue. While scientists still predominantly believe the virus occurred naturally in animals and spread to humans in an outbreak at a market in Wuhan, uh... Some scientists, like Sanjay Gupta uh, from CNN, he said it. So that's it's who so works.
1: cheeky. But I just want to break that. That's so cheeky. While scientists still predominantly believe, yeah, that that could be two scientists, and then the scientists is correct. Yep. Still predominantly mean like uh, 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 it they have be, wavered, it but they've come 51% back
0: fifty-one percent compared to forty-nine yeah. percent. Yep.
1: Yeah, believe the virus occurred naturally.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Even just, though, hold on.
1: Did we find where are these bats? Have we found these bats with uh, coronavirus?
0: No, we've never we've never found a a host. So how yeah. have
1: we got it? How come we got all the diseases and the the bat that apparently we got it from? How come their friends haven't got it? Well, well they must have been wearing masks and got vaccinated. prior. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I believe the virus occurred naturally in animals and spread to humans in an outbreak at a market in Wuhan, China. Oh, and just a funny note on that too: the bat that apparently was, uh, like they're saying, is most likely to be the stepping stone between uh, the animal kingdom and humans, is only found like a thousand kilometers away from that market. No, it's so, not a thousand.
1: It's not a thousand. It's like nineteen miles.
0: No, 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 no. The the market's only nineteen miles away from the Wuhan lab, but the actual oh, type yeah. of bat is a thousand kilometers away oh, from right, right, right. From that market. So, what they're saying is, is it more likely that it came from that bat being transported to that market without being eaten on the way for someone to sell for food? Like, are you going to travel a thousand kilometers with that bat to sell it? Or is it more likely that that bat was transported to the Wuhan Institute of Virology and then someone got infected from there and did their shopping at the fucking wet market on the way home? Anyway. Uh,. So the U.S. Department of Energy's Office of Intelligence and Counterintelligence is now the second tentacle of the U.S. government intelligence apparatus, along with the FBI, that endorses the lab leak theory. The min- <laughs> here it is again. The minority view that the virus occurred as a result of work in a Chinese lab. Now, two, two points on that just before we move on. Number one, I question straight away wh- who, why is it the Department of Energy? Um, they actually oversee biolabs as part of their portfolio. So that's right. why they are the authority on this. Um, but don't you love it how they're like, along with the FBI, but then they call them the minority? <laughs> like, it's the minority view. They're fringe, uh, fringe yeah. views. It's just the FBI. So the Department of Energy office is one of 18 government agencies that make up the intelligence community, which are under the umbrella of the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. Most of the intelligence community remains either split or leaning toward the natural occurrence theory that scientific investigations have concluded as most likely, but without conclusive evidence, no one has been able to reject the lab leak theory entirely. Scrolling down. The theory has been the subject of much focus by Republican lawmakers and polling in 2021 suggests that a majority of Americans believe the Chinese government had something to do with the origins of the virus. Asked whether they believe the virus originated from a laboratory leak in China or from human contact with an infected animal, about half or 52% said that they believed a lab leak was responsible. Now in the House majority... So I I
1: don't want to read on anymore because I think... uh, Because this is cheeky, right? So this that phrase that you just read there now they're trying to splinter it off yeah yeah. so now it's it's either it's natural or the chinese did it out of a chinese lab so Mm -hmm. see what they did there yeah they have they have removed the fact that america has funded it in a chinese lab and that's that tricky little wordplay that they do to weasel themselves out of um being criminalized
0: right yeah i might just bring up something quickly which you're not going to be able to see i think i've still got it here here we go so i've just put this up on the um yep give me one sec here we go window let's share this okay can you see this up here at all alex all right never mind yeah, it's, it's in OBS, so. Oh. Never mind. I'm just going to read it. You don't have to watch it. Oh, you don't have to see it. So for, for those of you who can see this, um, this is a diagram I made a little while ago, which is kind of a bit of a flow chart, which shows you the reasons why uh, this whole thing is so dodgy. So up the top, it's got the National Institute of Health, uh, which is, this is the American National Institute of Health. And if I can just bring this up here a bit bigger for myself, so I can read it. Uh, it's not going to be able to. So it's got a little arrow to the left to Moderna, and this will come up a little bit later in this episode too, because the National Institute of Health actually gave Moderna the um, mRNA technology to be able to create create the vaccines. So then the little arrow goes down. So Moderna makes the vaccine and sells for large profits, right? So then it go back to the National Institute of Health in the middle here, and It has a little arrow pointing down, which says publicly funds development of the mRNA technology and gives to Moderna in exchange for joint ownership of the vaccine product. Then the National Institute of Health goes to the right to the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, or the NIAID, uh, and down arrow operates under the NIH and is run by Dr. Anthony Fauci, responsible for all scientific research grants. Very important thing uh, to focus on. Then the down arrow goes to the, so the NIAID then approved grants for the EcoHealth Alliance, which is run by Dr. Peter Daszik, uh, who was one of the first scientists to publicly dismiss the lab leak theory. In 2018, was rejected by the Defense Advanced uh, Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, which is the uh, biological uh, arm of the Defense Department, uh, for a grant proposal to research... in. Uh, infectious clones of bat coronaviruses and insert a furin cleavage site, which is present in SARS CoV 2. So, the furin cleavage site is the thing that makes the SARS virus, uh, the COVID virus, so transmissible because it basically binds with the human ACE2 receptor perfectly. So Health Alliance then forwards the grant money from the NIAID onto the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is where the, they were doing the research which created COVID-19. So that's the little flow chart. That's yeah. why I wanted to have a quick, little quick run through. And I can still remember when I presented that flowchart, which is like over 12 months ago. And I was sort of like doing speed wobbles going, I, I sound like I'm crazy by, yeah, by yeah. outlining that. But it's all, it's all come out. It's all, it's, it's all there.
1: And that brings us to what you mentioned about Moderna. Uh, Moderna got paid.
0: Yes. So, you guys might remember on, a, few, a few episodes ago, I was talking about how there was some um, a rumbling in the background between the NIH, Moderna and Pfizer, who were all fighting over money, right? And, uh, that was actually the um inspiration behind the uh thumbnail for that particular episode which is of the three different spider-mans all pointing the fingers at each other because it was those three players all fighting in the background over ownership of the vaccine and therefore the profits so this story has come out recently because this has all been going through court and now there's actually been some movement in this So the article is titled, Moderna pays U.S. government $400 million catch-up payment under new COVID-19 vaccine license. So this is from the 24th of February. Uh, Not long after Moderna kicked off its COVID-19 vaccine launch, questions started swirling around the origins of the company's mRNA technology and the intellectual property rights to its vaccines. Now Moderna and the U.S. government are putting one dispute to bed. In Moderna's earnings release on Thursday, the company said it recently paid the NIAID a $400 million catch-up payment under a new royalty-bearing license agreement between the parties. The payment is part of a license agreement between Moderna and the NIAID, Inc. late last year. With the deal, Moderna is paying the US government to access, in quotes, certain patent rights concerning stabilizing profusion coronavirus spike proteins, end quote, Moderna chief financial officer Jamie Mock said on a conference call Thursday. Going forward, Moderna agreed to pay an AID in quotes, low t- single-digit royalties on COVID-19 vaccine sales, mock added. This agreement does not put Moderna out of the woods on patent litigation front. Even after this deal, the vaccine maker is fighting with the U.S. National Institutes of Health over the origins of the core technology in the vaccine, the New York Times points sure. out. Um Within the industry, the company is facing patent suits from mRNA rivals Pfizer and BioNTech, plus a separate case from Arbiters and Roy vance G- uh, Genevant Sciences. One case between Pfizer and Moderna is heading to trial in London next April, Reuters reported last week. Moderna pulled down around $36 billion in COVID-19 vaccine sales across 2021 and 2022, its two big launch years. While the $400 million payment represents only 1% of the company's total COVID-19 vaccine sales over that span, the lump sum nature of the catch-up payment drove up Moderna's fourth quarter costs. The payment was a key driver in pushing the company's cost of sales as a proportion of total sales to 39% in the fourth quarter, Mox said. That compared with 14% during the same period in 2021. Aside from the license payment, Moderna also suffered financially from demand declines last year. Funny how when they stopped mandating these things, people stopped taking them, eh? Just a coincidence. For all of 2022, the company recorded around $2.8 billion in charges related to slouching demand. That figure included a $1.3 billion charge for inventory write-downs, plus $725 million for contract cancellations. The company also paid $776 million related to unused manufacturing capacity and CDMO charges. I don't know what CDMO is. So, what does this mean? This confirms what we were saying. Uh... The NIH gave Moderna the M- the mRNA technology, which was created using public funding, to create these vaccines. Now, I don't think that the NIH had to sue or anything for that four hundred million dollars. That was like, uh, oh, it was it looked that like was an that agreement. Was the agreement. That yeah. was an agreement. That's right. You guys go out and make the money first. You can pay us back later, yeah. right? So.
1: Just consider but also th- the way, also the way that they made four hundred million sound like a lot. Four hundred million of twenty nine billion is nothing. Hmm. Is nothing. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's, it's a change. pittance. That's it's right. It's belly button lint for these guys.
0: Now think about that sort of cartel conduct, like we've spoken about before. You've literally got the vaccine manufacturer and the government in a financial relationship that benefits both of them based on how many people take the vaccine and then the government went out and made it mandatory for all of its employees and tried to force it on all the all the different states and the only thing that saved america was the red states because it was the republican states that pushed back and like that's something that we don't see over here right like we didn't see any sort of particular states do any sort of pushback The only state that really lagged behind with vaccine uptake was Queensland. And I think that's just because we're pretty laid back and we just don't give a fuck. Plus, we probably get too much vitamin D, so we're all good. Um, But you've literally got the government and a vaccine manufacturer in a business relationship and the government trying to force people to take their product.
1: It's just... Speaking of relationships, and it's an old article. This is from September 27, 2019. Can you scroll this
0: in a little bit? Yeah, perfect.
1: GTA Foundation Chairman Mr. Henry Palaszczuk. GTA will tap into genetic technology, blue ocean market value to trillions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, and.
0: What year is this from? Sorry.
1: 2019. Right. Late 2019. So
0: September 27, 2019.
1: And, do, you me, uh, do you want me to read this one? I, I don't think you need to, but basically, I think you'd find that a lot of our a lot of that testing push yeah. would have ended up there.
0: Yeah, so that's that's Anastasia Palaszczuk's dad. Yeah. So he was the one who was heading up all of the testing. So when we got all these testing pushes to go out and send your genetic data to her dad for the testing, and he's yeah. planning on tapping into a trillion dollar industry using that data. Yeah.
1: Just, I hope everyone out there, I hope you feel well milked, because you've been milked. You're about to get milked. So we've had the, the government milk you through uh, taxation. We've had it through the uh, the public health service. You've been milked through your workplace. Mm-hmm. Now you're about to get milked in inflation and <coughs> then you're going to get milked by your bank.
0: Yeah, well, you're al- you're already getting milked, obviously, through, through the inflation in the bank. And remember, the inflation was caused by the decisions the government made during the pandemic as well. They closed down the economy, which meant they weren't taking in any tax revenue and people weren't able to make money. Then they handed out billions and billions. Like we, we added $360 billion to our national debt in two years. So we add an extra 50% to our total national debt in a two-year period. All of the money that was spent on COVID mitigation measures, vaccines, uh, masks, tests. rat tests, All of that was sent to overseas companies. Not one of those products was bought from an Australian company. And there was even a story uh, that came up, I think it was either this week or last week too, about uh, Dr. Nikolai Petrovsky from one of the big universities in Adelaide. He was the one who created his own vaccine early on, and it's still sitting on the TGA's desk and has has never been approved. Yeah. And he's now um, had his employment terminated formally by his university because he's unvaccinated. Even though he took his own vaccine, uh, they said because he hasn't, he refused to take an approved vaccine, which again would be stupid to take more vaccines on top of the ones he's already taken. Uh, they've booted him out of his job at the university. But also, it just goes to show you we had an opportunity, and his also wasn't mRNA. And I think yeah. that was the other. That's the other key problem. Has that's been why it didn't get picked up that's right they want to shift everyone towards this mRNA technology and you he hear like, mRNA
1: stay away
0: 100% and and this is the thing like they keep they still keep spruking it like it's this good thing but if Alex sold you a car and you went to pick it up and it didn't start Alex's response would not be it's all good just buy another one this one doesn't you know work one. just buy another one that's, that's how, you how you know, know it's, it's working. working yeah yeah Like um, even so, you look at what we're doing with our vaccine rollout over here. So we've just approved fifth shots for literally everyone. Mm -hmm. The UK has just banned any further doses for anyone under the age of fifty unless you've got a comorbidity.
1: And we're just like, nah, double down, dog. Let's jab them
0: up, jab them up. And what is concerning for me too is that when you do actually, uh, you know, go into some of the more conspiratorial parts of the internet when it comes to this stuff. And you listen to some of the commentators from America or even the UK, other places overseas, one of the things they often talk about is how Australia and New Zealand are the testing beds for like World Economic Forum policies. And it really appears to be that way. Like we we probably went the most mental during COVID as far as, you know, full surveillance, lockdown measures. Draconian yeah. measures. Yeah, yeah. And New we're... Zealand, I think it was worse than us yeah yeah, I think they were um, but we were, st- we were still pretty bad we were, bad. we're yeah. very bad and we continue to be I mean like even just approving these things and um, uh, Jared Rennick's been putting up all these uh, extra posts recently because he got the opportunity to question John Skerritt in estimates again last week and just shows you how like Skerritt just lies he just lies about absolutely everything in yeah. regards to these vaccines because but guess you know, not, like the US- he got paid
1: the US still has a um, travel mandate you're not allowed to fly to the USA without being
0: vaccinated i think that'll be gone soon and the
1: they only, said that they said that twice now it was going to be january then it was going to be february now it's
0: yeah it's so much. obviously the republicans have taken the house that's the only reason why you're starting to see all of this this movement on these things like the lab leak and you know like the masking all that sort of stuff uh, they are trying to to remove these things i know they removed the mandate for the military recently as well so they are, they are trying to make some moves. They're trying to do the right things. But I think America's got a lot on its plate at the moment, right? Like, the, the Republicans are trying to stop them sending all this money to Ukraine and funding the war. So yeah. I think that's probably taken a little bit of the focus of, uh, of their efforts. And look, I'm not saying that the Republicans are the good guys because, at the end of the day, the American government's probably almost as bad as the Australian government, where you've got two, two sides of the same coin, you know, two wings of the same bird uh, that pretend they're on opposite sides, but they... You know, just just tell you what you want. They want you to. Sorry, they tell you what you want to hear, so you vote for them, and then they just go and do whatever the fuck they want once they're in office, anyway. But at least Let's the Republicans appear to be note. doing something good. The
1: government is not your boss, or your friend, or your friend,
0: or your daddy.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Learn to and take care note, of yourself. Yeah. Let's leave, leave it there, guys. There. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you next week.